change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podscreevy. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, have you seen the controversies over some other podcasts in the uh, Canadian football sphere here, issuing statements of apologies for some of the things that their co-hosts have said, I guess? Um, Whether you've seen it or not, could you imagine if we had to stop podcasting after saying controversial things? We would have lasted, what, like three weeks? Yeah, about that. I mean, back in in 2017, we were... We're, or 2015, sorry. We yeah, were younger, 2015, younger buddy. Folks, uh, not quite as smart as we are now. I mean, some would say we're not smart now at all yeah. either. But uh, yeah, there were some things that might have ruffled some feathers back in the day. But, uh, you know, just don't go looking back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catalog, yeah. You know? maybe, nothing maybe... too offensive. Like, nothing egregious. No, I don't but... think we ever, like, slurred anybody or anything. No, but... no, 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 no. But, you know, it was a different time. I just I see, see these things. I'm just like, oh, man, I'm glad we got in. Kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say we got on the podcasting ground floor, but when it comes to like CFL podcasts, I think we're we're not we're obviously weren't the first, but we were one of the first like half dozen mm-hmm. or so that uh, that plunged deep into this. So uh, yeah, don't go uh, don't go listen back to those old episodes and, and calling us out on things we may have said that no. in hindsight make us look like a couple of jackasses. Um, and I, uh, I I I drank the booze a little bit more back then, too, <laughs> so you know things can be said when you're. Uh, you're drinking the alcohol. So. Yeah, a little bit of the bubbly makes things a little fuzzy, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Okay, before we get into some of the actual news of the week, I got I got to get something off my chest. Have you seen these tweets from fans talking about when they have repurchased their season tickets about like we've we've re-signed on a one year deal with whatever team that they're buying tickets for? Have you seen this phenomenon that's kind of hit recently yes. in CFL land? I've noticed, yeah, that it's mostly been with the Argonaut fans. So, I mean, there couldn't be that many tweets of it, Josh. Really, <laughs> it's just the Argonauts. <laughs> <laughs> good one, buddy. Good one. Thank you. Thank you. I find these so freaking annoying. And I mm-hmm. I kind of feel like an a-hole by, by saying that. But, like, why? Like, just, just – I, I renewed my season. Like, I've, I've been a Ticat season ticket holder since 2010. And I, every now and then I'll say like, oh, you know, I, I, I used to make the joke, and maybe people found this annoying, but I used to make the joke that once I got my season tickets done, I would uh, put out the line, and I probably did it three or four times uh, uh, in consecutive years, that much like Rock Kim and Eric B, my season tickets are paid in full. And that was my line I'd use, it, and I'm sure people like groaned and rolled their eyes when they saw it, but whatever. But this new phenomenon of... I've re-signed, like making it sound like you're a member of the team. And I know that there's like a lot of, you know, closeness between fans and the teams they cheer for, but you're not a member of the team. Like 
just say you you renewed your season tickets and move on, or say nothing. Like I, maybe I'm being irrational, and maybe you can you know tell me I'm being a goof here, but I don't know why these things. It just I see the and it just makes me angry, and I don't know mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm yeah. I'm a, I'm a genuinely happy dude most of the time. I we've got a major announcement coming at the end of the show that'll that is one of the reasons why I'm so happy right now. But seeing these tweets just like it it rubs me the wrong way, and I I can't quite put a finger on it. Do you think I'm I'm I'm, I'm being I'm being too harsh here? No, no, it's, it doesn't annoy me as much as it annoys you. But I have things that annoy me that um you know doesn't you know it doesn't really make sense. Like why are you getting so angry over that? Like like the Twitterisms, you know the the Twitter speak of uh, tell me you haven't done something without oh. and all that stupid things that you know the people repeat over and over and over again. Um, it just like Twitter talk just bugs me. It's one of the reasons why. I, I don't have a personal account anymore because I just get so angry over like the stupidest things that I should not be angry about. And I tweet out some angry tweets and it just be, you know, so I understand where you're coming from here, Josh, because little things annoy me as well. And I don't understand why I get so angry about it. That must be why we get along so well. Why we've been able to do this now for seven years and never really have any sort of major disagreements or falling out Mm -hmm. or anything. This is the longest relationship I think I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, it's up there for me, too. I mean, definitely longer than any relationship I've had with a woman. So. Yeah, same here. Same here. It's, uh, maybe that speaks more about how, how terrible yeah, we are as people. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, you ready to talk some, some actual CFL news instead of our pet peeves and, and nonsense? Yeah, we might as well. The, the audience might appreciate it. Yeah, they, they probably don't care about our love lives or whatever. Um, okay, so there's no real Ticats news, but they did – the Ticats, that is, hold a media conference call with Orlando Steinhauer and Drew Alamang uh, for the media ahead of uh, next week's draft, and nothing of note really came out of it. You found the the piece about uh, Jake Burt. Uh, I think you posted a tweet about it from the Podsky account about uh, Steinhauer mentioning that Jake Burt will be, looks like he's coming back. And what's kind of funny is, in that whole Jake Burt thing, that was a question asked by our friend John Hodge, uh, my colleague over at Three Down. Um, Steinhauer was quoted, or at least he said something that kind of really stuck out to me on a question that Hodge asked, and it had to do with injury worries ahead of training camp. And John used the Stephen Richardson injury as kind of his jumping off point, and that was, if anyone out there doesn't know, the the BC Lions announced that uh, Stephen Richardson had suffered a significant injury, I think was the exact words, he'd miss uh, a good chunk of time. So Haji used that to kind of ask Steinhauer if there were any sort of injury concerns of like that for the Ticats uh, just ahead of training camp. And Steinhauer's answer was kind of perplexing to me. And this is a direct quote. He said, we don't have any concerns but I wouldn't divulge it anyway. And then he, but then he followed that up with, and this is also a direct quote. I believe in being transparent. Now, Mike, when you hear those two statements together, those feel like two mutually exclusive ideas. You can't say you're, you're not going to divulge information while at the same time saying mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're for transparency. You believe in transparency. So like, how can like, I, I just, I'm trying to wrap my head around how you can think those two things are, are the same. And, do you think that this Steinhauer's? Because I don't think this is a Hamilton thing. I, if you look back on the Podsky, on our Podsky Twitter account, someone brought this up as with the Jake Burt injury of, of last year. Why didn't anyone ask this question? And I, I 
responded by saying, like, I don't think this is necessarily a Ticat specific thing. I think this is a, a problem league-wide because we see it all the time where coaches and teams hide kind of what guys' injuries are. We see it a lot in Hamilton, but I'm sure if you were to ask fans of the other eight franchises, they'd say the same thing. So do you think Steinhauer's answer here speaks to a greater problem within the CFL of teams and coaches, especially being too withholding with information? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've we've been talking about this since we started the podcast, that that teams are way too secretive with everything, um, especially now in this day and age with, with the CFL trying to move forward um, in this landscape. You have to be transparent with your injuries for betting purposes, for fantasy football purposes, and we still haven't got like a legit fantasy game put out there by TSN or CFL. I mean, if some some dudes can do it on the internet and do a pretty darn good job with that fantasy fantasy.com yep. a couple of years ago that we were using. Um, someone should be able to step up and do it on TSN or the CFL. So um, <clears throat> I think Mike O'Shea is a, is a big, you know, he's a guy that hides a lot of things too. So like you said, it's not just Steinhauer and it's not just uh, O'Shea. It's the whole league basically. And they, someone needs to gather these coaches together and be like, guys, Okay, these are the rules. We have to be more transparent with these injuries because um, if we want to, you know, tap into these new revenue streams, uh, then that's what we're going to have to do. So I'm just, I'm just sick of all the the, the secrecy um, with the CFL and their coaches. Like, there's there's a lot of secrecy, and some of it doesn't bother me. Like, I've always, I used to be really anti-divulging salaries, and now I'm kind of on the fence. Like, if they do, they do. If they don't, they don't. Like, I think they probably should. Because in a, in a league with a salary cap, I think knowing what players make will allow fans to be more engaged. And I understand. I know Kevin Glenn's a really big proponent of, of keeping that stuff secret. And I and I do understand where that's coming from. But but I don't know. That that's one of those ones where I think you can throw it up. I, I I've for the longest time always never understood why you can't just tell us how long the guy is signed for. Like yeah. why is the CFL the only league? the only professional league that at least I'm aware of that has to put out a list of pending free agents near the end of the season. Like we as fans and the media should already know that stuff. We should know player X is signed for two years or he's renegotiated and signed for, you know what I mean? Like that's not something that we should have to go searching for and like knowing like how many times have you seen people tweet out screenshots of the CFL transactions page saying like so-and-so was deleted from the roster and then re-added so he must have signed a new contract or renegotiated like that's not stuff that we should have to find out through backdoor channels like that's the type of stuff that we should know right away and on the injury front you you nailed it man with the game and I know people are sick of talking about gambling but Mm -hmm. Ontario just had a slew of new gambling sites come in at the beginning of the month of April and this is the new reality single game sports betting and gambling it's not you know you're not going to the the Italian guy at the deli with the crooked nose and and giving him a hundred bucks put down in a game anymore this is legit and and it's it's a way for people to spend their money and if that's what they want to do they're and you're grown you're not hurting anyone by all means go and do it but this is the new landscape we live in where gambling is going to be a big gambling has always been a big part of sports I whether whether you if people want to believe that or not, right? Like the NFL is what it is because people have A, been playing fantasy football and B, gambling a boatload of money on it for decades. The NFL would not be the number one sports league in the world if it wasn't for gambling. Um, I guess North America, won't say the world. The, those soccer leagues are pretty pretty big as well. Um, but the CFL, you mentioned it. They want to tap into these revenue streams and you cannot, as a better, 
there's no confidence then as as a gambler in in these games. Remember the fiasco last year with Mike Riley mm-hmm. and and Nathan Rourke and Riley was going to start the game and then Rourke comes out and then the next week they're like no Rourke's going to start but Riley can't I think that's how it, I can't remember exactly but I it just was remember like, it was I remember they they announced it like during like right before the game started like yeah. PSN announced Riley as a starter and then you know right before kickoff they're like oh I guess Rourke is starting which yeah. is just a well, that was just a mess. After, you know, because uh, I know there's in-game bets, and I've made in-game bets, but a lot of times it's you're making, you're, you make you make your, you wager on the game before it starts. That's what most people do. You're betting on the point spread. You're, maybe you do straight up. You do an over-under, whatever it is. Most people are laying their bets before the game starts. So when that stuff comes out during a game, like as after the game's already kicked off, people are going to be pissed off. And once you're costing people money, that's also going to cost you your eyeballs because people are going to go, well, if I, I'm only watching this because I'm gambling on it. And that was the big thing when this whole gambling thing was pitched was that, oh, people will, will stu- stay tuned to games because if they have Winnipeg over Saskatchewan and they took Winnipeg on the spread by minus seven and a half and the Bombers are up by seven with the ball with, with two minutes left, they'll watch to see if they'll kick that field goal to cover the spread. You know what I mean? But as soon as you start messing with gamblers' money, they're going to go, ah, I'll move on. There's so many sports out there to bet on that they don't need. Gamblers don't need the CFL to bet on. The CFL needs the gamblers to gamble so they watch the games. Mm-hmm. I just and, – and, and the idea that you can say you're for transparency but then at the same time say, even if I knew I wouldn't tell you, I like Orlando Steinhauer, but that you, those two things do not add up, and that tell that it's such a weird, like I don't know how he rationalizes that to himself. No, it's something you'd say, and then like right after you'd be like, "Oh, that was that was stupid." Yeah, I just said, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, Steinhauer talking, bo- uh, you know, out both sides of his mouth there, and uh, but like I said, there just needs to be, you know, someone needs to get these coaches in a room and the tell league, them that the league, the league, the league needs yeah. to implement something. Yeah, because I know coaches only care about winning, and they can say that they care about the game and all that stuff. But and I, and I don't blame them. Like coaches need, you know, that's their job. That's their livelihood. They they have to win. But um, I just I just don't think that they really care about um, entertaining the fans, and it's unfortunate because that's what pays their salary, right? If there's no fans, there's no CFL, and you you'd say that about any sport. So. Um, other leagues are are moving forward and trying to improve the game, and the CFL needs to do the same. But this is so I understand the aspect of coaches and players like they're there to win. I get that, but the league needs to know what business it's in. Yes, they're in the sports business, but you know what else they're in? They're in the entertainment business. They're not just competing with other sports. It's not like oh, there's a CFL game and there's a hockey game and there's a baseball game. Which one will I watch? They're competing with every form of entertainment. I can play video games, or I can watch a movie, or I can watch a television show. If you're not entertaining, then people aren't going to watch. And this goes for all sports. Like Wrestling is, is called sports entertainment, but all sports are sports entertainment. Their main, the, the main thing of the league is to entertain, because by entertaining, you get eyeballs. By having eyeballs, you make money. By making money, you stay in business. The teams themselves, I understand, operating on a win-loss thing, but the league itself needs to put rules in place that makes... Now, you can't do that to make the... Maybe you don't do that to make the product more entertaining, but even something as simple as saying... Like, I mean, they did it last year with those injury reports, but I don't think that those were worth the paper they weren't printed on. You need you need something because th- this, this, this continued insistence on secrecy is... You know what? You know what? Another sport that does secrecy 
when it comes to players' injuries, hockey. And the NHL is probably mm, the least popular. Lower body. Upper body, exactly. And it's probably the least popular sport in North America, in America. In Canada, oh, obviously, definitely. it's very popular. You can see the ratings on, like, you know, TNT got the package, right? They're terrible. The ratings on TNT are way lower than, like, Dynamite or anything like that. Yeah. They are in the tank. They're like 300,000 people watch the NHL. On. Yeah. It's, it's bad. No one really cares. And, and you yeah, know what? No one cares. If, if they were more transparent and people could gamble on it, more people would watch. It's a simple, like, yes, there's other stuff going on. We're right, we're in the heat of the basketball playoffs. Major League Baseball is going on. And hockey's always had that hard time of, of cracking that American market. But their secrecy doesn't help, and I don't think it helps the CFL either. No, and the one thing with the, uh, going back to the CFL salaries, you know, people already have the notion that, you know, CFL players make nothing, right? So I think if you release the salaries, people will be like, oh, crap. Like, I've talked to people who are like, they thought that every single player in the CFL made like $65,000. Yeah. So people already think the salaries are low. So if you release them, people might be like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know the quarterbacks made that much. I didn't know, you know, top end Canadians made that much. So I don't think it would be as damaging to the league as uh, some players think it would be. And you know what else I think it might do? If we knew what guys made, it might force fans. Because there was this whole, all the, I think we, we may have touched on it. Last week, I can't remember. My my brain's mush. Um, but we saw there was like the idea that uh, like Canadian players make more than Americans and like offensive line. I think I think we did talk about this. Yeah. If we knew what guys were making, and you saw a guy like, we'll use him as an example. I know I know neither of us are really big fans of him. But if James Wilder Jr. this year goes out and rushes for twelve hundred and fifty yards and catches eighty passes for nine hundred yards, and you find out that he's making less than the Canadian sixth-man offensive lineman, that might make fans go, well, this salary system's out of whack. What are you doing? Yeah. You should be yeah. paying the guy that's that's making the plays more money than you should be paying a guy who's who's essentially sitting on the bench and is a backup. You know what I mean? So there is that, too, where some of these things that players are fighting for, maybe if fans knew, they'd be more apt to be like, well, this is all messed up. This isn't how it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I do, I do, I, I, all I want is the players, I want the players to make more money and all that stuff. But when you come to the CFL, uh, I'm just going to say this, you have four hour work days, work four days a week. Um, you know, yes, I know they train in the off season. I know that um, they're going to train anyways. I know it's hard work and all that stuff, but you know, I have to get up every day at 530 in the morning and I make less than uh, what these guys do working four months out of the year, working four days working four hours a week, you're off at one o'clock. I mean, I get it. I get it. It's a physical sport, non-practice, no non-contact practice now. Um, I get it. It's a physical sport, and I want them to be playing more or being paid more. But, I mean, we have to take a look at what they're actually doing, right? I mean, four-hour days, I would kill for that. Um, <laughs> non-pra- non-contact in practice, the only time you're going to get contact is during the game. So $65,000 minimum for you know six months' work. It's not that bad. I think some guys would probably complain that they should be more physical in practices, though. Like, I think yeah, part of yeah. I think part I of the problem that. with with the with the product is I understand player safety, but I think they may have taken it a little too far. Because how do you practice blocking and shedding blocks if you're a lineman without actually hitting each other? Like, I think there needs to be a little bit more contact when it comes to practices, and I think maybe that uh, uh, we've seen the the decline in 
entertainment quality kind of come in at the inverse of the rise in sort of maybe overly protecting players? Because, I mean, if you ask players, they'll say, look, we'll strap the pads on every friggin' day. And I know sometimes you got to protect players from themselves, but I don't know. Maybe they're onto something there, too. The players are the guys that are are, are on the field. I think they should have a little bit more say in how things are going versus some guy sitting in a boardroom who is just trying to make things look good. But that's what they wanted in the seat. Yeah, yeah. Right? In the bargain table, they they probably wanted non-contact. Yeah, maybe. Um, But we've seen how it... That was affected the game. Yeah, it's so. affected. There's so many reasons why the offense has slided, I think, or slid um, in the past couple of years. But, yeah, that could be part of it. And, you know, teams, I don't think the training camps are long enough. Um, the teams have to gel. And, like, if you're coming, you're bringing most of the players back, you're good. But if you have a new squad, I mean, I don't know how long training camps are in the NFL, but they're probably a lot longer than the CFL in three weeks or something Five like weeks, that. six weeks? Yeah. I, I think, think NFL training NFL training camps they tend to start around end of July, and they finish by the beginning of September. I'd say right. probably five weeks. Yeah. Um, but there's also now three preseason games in there, and mm-hmm. you probably have a good like. I think the CFL could stand from a little bit longer. Keep it at two preseason games, but I think the CFL could stand from a little longer uh, training camp. Yeah. I really do. The problem is with that: the longer the training camp, the longer players are going without being paid, right? Yeah, so that, yeah, that's fair. That's too. tough, but uh, yeah, um, you, you know what? Maybe it was just an anomaly last year, and uh, we'll come back this year, and it'll be um, the CFL we know and love. Well, I guess we'll find out in a few weeks when the season kicks off. Uh, all right, uh, Bo Levi Mitchell, our buddy, your your favorite player in the world, uh, went on the radio last week and made some controversial and what he said, where he knew was going to be unpopular opinions. When he said he thinks the CFL moving to four downs would increase scoring and that any backlash would be minimal and result in very few fans actually no longer watching the product. Mike, you are, a, as I said, an ardent critic of Mr. Mitchell, but do you agree with him on these points? No, not at all. I mean, I, yes, four downs, you're going to get more scoring, yes. I mean, that's just obvious, but I think you'll lose a lot of fans yeah? if you switch to four downs. You'll, you'll, you'll lose your, your hardcore fan base. The, the people that buy season tickets, the people that are keeping this league alive, and then you're not going to bring in enough casual, like other fans. Like, there's not going to be enough fans coming in to watch the CFL just because it's four downs. I mean, that's not going to... He's just completely off on, on that statement. See, I I don't know if four downs would increase scoring because what I think you'd see is longer drives, but not necessarily more of them. So you might get 27, 24 scores, and yes, it's it's minimal punting, but it's because teams are going on 14-play, nine-minute drives all the time. You know what I mean? So I don't know if scoring would necessarily go up. And I think fans, after a while, would be like, all right, so six straight runs? Like, this is right. – it wouldn't well, be as exciting. They don't do that in the NFL anymore, though. I mean, they have four downs. They can just run it three times, right? They could. They – I because because the NFL adapted the old CFL model. Let's sling it around yeah, the yard and yeah. throw the ball a bunch. Like yeah, and and they got CFL athletes. This kind of goes back into what we were talking about before with, with just just the previous topic. And I think we, I even mentioned it last week. There's a lot of guys in the CFL or in the NFL that is that 25 years ago never would have seen an NFL field. Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson, um, guys like that. Like Russell Wilson never would have played in the NFL. One, because he's five foot ten. Uh, two, because he's five foot ten. You know what I mean? Like, 
they never in a million years. And he was handed the ball and given the starting job in Seattle as a rookie, as a third round pick. He never would have even been drafted into the NFL in the mid nineties as a quarterback. They would have said, I mean, if you want to play in the NFL, all right, I guess we can put you at running back because you're pretty swift. He would have had to come to Canada to play. Lamar Jackson with a guy who's not I don't think he's a limit I don't think he's as limited a thrower of the football as people make him out to be. But he won the Heisman Trophy, but maybe he gets drafted because of that. But is a guy who is more known for running for that. He's got 2,000-yard rushing seasons, and I don't think he's thrown for 4,000 yards in the season yet. Would that guy have even been given a shot, let alone have been a first-round pick? He would have definitely been uh, converted. They would have converted. Else. They were talking about that when he was Bill Polian, yeah. who was the architect of the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl teams and then went on to, to help construct the Peyton Manning Indianapolis Colts said they should convert him to running back. And everyone was like, you're out of your goddamn mind. And look at him. He won MVP. He's one of the most exciting players in the NFL. But he never would have been given the shot to play in the NFL if if the prevail. The, I mean, if Bill Polian was, guys like Bill Polian were running teams 25 years ago, Lamar Jackson's not getting a shot to be a quarterback. Guess where he's going? He's playing for the Red Blacks. He's playing for the Argos. He's play, You know what I mean? Like He's mm-hmm. coming to Canada if he wants to continue to play quarterback. Uh, wouldn't that be fun? Lamar I, Jackson in the CFL uniform? That, but that's what I mean. Like, But yeah. the, think, if you think about the guys that came up here in previous generations, like think of Doug Flutie. Yeah. Doug Flutie. In the today's only, game, Doug would probably be done pretty well in the, the NFL. Only he would have done... He would have done well in the in the nineties, honestly. They just mm-hmm. and they, he did. He did when he went there. He was like thirty six years old when he yep. signed with the Bills, and he was so. great. He got them to the yeah. playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. but they never would have. They didn't give him a shot because he was five foot eight, because he was a midget. Until you know what I mean? Absolutely, like, just dominated in Canada. Yeah, you know, like he took. It wasn't like he was up here for a year or two and then went back to the NFL. No, eight years. He was here in nineteen ninety. Yep. Yep, so. He spent eight seasons in Canada and was by far and away the best player in the league. And that it only took it took him eight seasons to get a shot in the NFL. Like, think about that. We see guys now come up here for a year or two and then get a chance to go down south. He never got that opportunity because he was short. It's simply because of his size. If Doug Flutie was six foot one, he never comes and plays in Canada. And even that would have been short for a quarterback. Um, Even after throwing for like 6,600 6, yards in 1991, I think it was. Yeah, he know, was a gimmick. I wouldn't get a look. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, yep. even then, that's ridiculous. Those numbers are, yep. are, are crazy. It, it's absurd. You, you, you're telling me Matt Dunnigan couldn't have played in the, in the NFL? Oh, yeah. You're telling so. me Danny McManus couldn't have played in the NFL? Like, they were because that they. Danny McManus went to Florida State for crying out. He was a starting quarterback at Florida mm-hmm. State. Yeah. He played for Bobby Bowden. You're telling me he can't. Like,. Some of the guys that we grew up watching, Joe Monford couldn't have sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. Come on, come on! Like it's yeah, it's, he it's was in- Cameron Wake before Cam Wake. Exactly, and, and Cam, even Cam Wake. Cam Wake had to come to Canada for two years before he got a shot in the NFL, yeah. and then went on to have a, a borderline Hall of Fame career with the Dolphins. So, like one of the reasons is the CFL's not getting those guys anymore. So that's a reason why I know we we've gone completely off topic. We were talking about yeah, Bo and his four down thing. About? We started talking about Bo and then we got oh, onto right. the talent yes. level in the CFL. Um, <laughs> well, that's so what I we don't do, Josh, that's what we do. Yeah, I know. Get lost in we do. Show. I, I think I somewhat agree with him though on losing the fans. Cause I think a lot of people would stomp their feet and say, I'm not watching and would still watch. watch. Yeah. But I do agree with you that I don't think, and I, I do think we've talked about this before, 
I don't think going to four downs would add one new fan. I don't think, let's say you lost 100,000 fans. I don't think you're replacing them with 101,000 fans. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you gain a single new follower by going to four downs. I think you would lose some fans because I think there are some people who are just like three downs, three downs, three downs. But I do kind of agree with them on the minimal impact because I think a lot of people would stomp their feet and then go, it's July. I'm going to go tune into that Rough Riders game. Four downs or not, I don't think. Because football's football. Look, I don't want the CFL to go to four downs. We were, I think we were both very adamant about that last week. I, I don't want that. I want the CFL to stay three downs. I think that's one of the core tenets of this league. But I don't think that too many people... I think more people would are saying it now because they're, there's no fear of reprisal. There's no like... Like how often do we see, especially because a lot of this backlash comes on social media and we have to take into account that social media is a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the actual people who consume this product or consume any product, really. They they all huff and puff, but at the end of the day, is there anyone? How many times have we seen guys go? Well, if this happens, I'm never watching again. And there they are talking talking about it. We've done it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I know it's in the moment you get uh, frustrated, and then you can just put your opinion out there instantly. So there would be a lot of people that would you know type on Twitter, "I'm done with the CFL." But mm-hmm. I'm with you. I think when the games start uh, start back up, I think there'd be a lot of people watching that said that they wouldn't. So, I mean, we saw um, this, we saw it this week with everyone when Elon Musk bought Twitter. Oh, I'm leaving Twitter. You know, you're leaving Twitter. Yeah. You're, you're hooked on much about Elon Musk to to be outraged by it. So he's a weirdo. That's all I, that's all I know. And he spent $44 billion to buy something that's crazy. That's insane to me. Just go. It's just the amount like $44 billion. Like that just doesn't even register with me. Like, no, it's such an, it's such an astronomically high number, right? Yeah, it's just an absurd amount of money. You know how much yeah. money? Like, that could help so many people in the world. Um, but anyways. Yeah, yeah I know. Rick Seems people like are, a waste, but whatever. Rick people are terrible. And we, could, we could go into the economic disparities of and me telling you why billionaires shouldn't exist. But that would probably get us. That That's the thing that would get us get us in trouble is me going on a rant about billionaires and taxation. Economics and, and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah. Some people are like, we want to talk about football. Stop talking about yeah. Stupid things that don't. Talking about wrestling, you're talking about. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Stick to the talk. Stick to sports, boys. Um, Okay, so so uh, I guess we'll move on from the bow thing. Uh, I mean, his his opinion was definitely unpopular, but uh, I I don't think it was as. I'm not gonna, gonna, you know, shit on him too badly. No, and the thing is, like, he prefaced it with like, "I have unpopular opinions, so ask away," and it's like, "Yeah, you didn't say anything that unreasonable." It's not like he's no. like, we should get rid of the football and replace it with a basketball and throw that instead. Like he's that would be that have pissed me off way worse than yeah. uh, than that. So. Yeah. So I mean, well, I mean, but you know what? Here's the thing I will say. Good for him. He's, he's making news. Like hmm? you can like him and, or dislike him. I don't know. He, he isn't afraid to state his opinion, which I think is, is a breath of fresh air when it comes to uh professional athletes. So I, I will give him some, some kudos for that. Um, all right, let's move on to the draft. And as we say every year, you and I are not draft people. We unfortunately do not follow Canadian University's football. I mean, we both do watch the NCAA, but I mean, John Mechie the third is not going to be getting, if he's drafted, he's not getting drafted in the first round. He's never probably never going to play in the CFL. He's going to be a second round pick at, at probably at worst in the NFL. So he's going to go down there. So instead of us, um, talking about talking like, out our asses, basically. Yeah, yeah. And let me say this: we, we do that enough. Uh, U sports more if it was 
you know, more readily available. And I'll just put that up there. I agree with you. Having to go to a website and watch it, and, it, and mm-hmm. which I think is, is fine. At least it's there. Yeah, if we could get that on television, I think you... In this day and age when, when, when sports networks are just like frothing at the mouth for content... Not Canadian content, though, Josh. No, Not you're right. Canadian content. But they'll broadcast the USFL... Yeah, where there's I know. quite literally, and I'm using the word literally correctly, not figuratively, quite literally, no one in the damn stands. You know which, what? I don't know if they did broadcast the USFL. Did they not? I don't think they did. No. Oh. I, I watched, I, I looked, it was on Fox and NBC. Oh. That's the only channels I've watched it on. I don't think it was on TSN. I could be wrong, but I don't think it was. Okay. Or Sportsnet. Well, then I stand corrected, and I'm glad that you pointed that out. But anyway, okay. I so get what e- you're saying, though. Even worse, though, American broadcast companies will broadcast games with zero fans in the stands. Like, I saw some of those pictures, and I don't think I saw a single fan in the stands for a couple of those games. Um, but they won't broadcast... $10 tickets, I might add. $10 tickets. <laughs> yeah. If, if I was living in Birmingham and they were offering me $10, I'd... For, you, know how, you, know, you know what I wouldn't do for 10 bu- Like, 10 bucks? I'd, pit, I'd literally bet $20 just before we hit record, before I, I picked up the call with you, I'd literally bet $20 on Vladimir Guerrero to hit a home run tonight in the Jays game. Like I and and I have made that bet. I, I kid you not. I've made that bet a dozen times, and he has yet to hit a home run. Oh, that's rough. The, and the only so many. the only games that he's hit a home run in are the two games that I didn't make the wager. That's, yeah, that's rough. and he hits a million home runs. Like dude's probably gonna hit fifty home runs this year, and I cannot win a bet on that. So See, you're a guy that wouldn't probably normally watch Blue Jays games. Am I correct on that? Not really. And then the, the gambling that gets you into it, right? It is. So, and now yeah, any I'm, sport is entertaining. <laughs> if you have money on it, absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. Dude, I bet on WrestleMania for crying out loud. That's yeah. how sick my addiction is right now. <laughs> but you know what? I don't gamble more than I can lose. Yeah. And if you have it under control, and we realize that there is... There are people who don't. Yeah, there's serious issues with gambling. It's just like alcohol. It's just like drugs. It can be very addictive. And if you have that kind of personality, you shouldn't be betting. And I understand why people are so get so upset about... You know the constant ads, and I think it's a lot too. Yeah, they're kind of beating you over the head with it. Every sport you watch now. Yep. Um, so it is unfortunate for them, but it's 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 the same thing with alcohol and stuff like that. We've been beaten over the head with alcohol for years and years, and there's a lot of alcoholics out there that probably you know would not you know rather not see that. So, um, it's just the way of the world, I guess. Now, okay, let's get this train back on the track though, because we yes. have there has been a lot of veering off course here. Um. Talking about the draft, you sent out a series of tweets a few weeks back, which painted a pretty bleak picture of the Ticats' recent draft selections. Um, you broke it down through their first round picks, or actually, you broke it down through their first picks because you did fail. You put down five their last five first round selections, but failed to. You omitted one first round pick because one year they had two picks. Um, ah, my bad. And and it actually it would have been the only. It's so of their last six first round selections one of their players became an everyday starter, and that was Darius Sirocco, and they literally just lost him in free agency to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Gibbon, Coulter Woodmansey, and Jake Burt are all first-round picks, and I think you could say the jury's kind of still oh, out on hold them. Hold on, hold on here, Josh. What? The tweet says, here are the first picks in the draft. Okay, yes, you're right. Okay, okay. I stand corrected. Anyway, <laughs> but Sirocco was a first-round pick, so I think he, yep. he needed to be included. But you're right. You did say first picks, so that's fair. Um, but Gibbon, Woodmansey, and Burt, I think the jury's still out on those guys. I don't think you can really yeah. – Gibbon's entering his third season. Woodmansey is second. Burt is second, and Burt didn't play last year. And Woodmansey is likely going to be the starter for the team at uh, right guard this season. So there is 
you can't we we're not it, it looked bad when you when you put it out like that. However, of the 38 players, so the 38 players drafted by the team since 2017. 17, just 17 of them remain on the roster with one of them in Nikola Kalinic, he's gone to the NFL. The Ticats are generally considered to be one of the better teams when it comes to scouting and developing Canadian players, especially when it comes to the draft. And yet, out of 38 players that they've drafted over the last five years, less than half of them are still on the team. What do you make of this? Well, there's there's two options, I think. It's either that the Tiger Cats aren't very good at drafting, um, or the Canadian Football League draft is a bit of a crapshoot that, like, you, you just, there's so, there's, not many players that are going to be impactful in this league, it seems, because you mentioned that, yeah, there's 17 players on the roster still, but by my count, there's, what, you got Unger that probably going to be maybe a starter, um, but you don't, we don't even know with the receiver situation how they're going to play play that. Um, so, and then uh, Wood Manzi. I mean, those are the only starters, I believe, that are yep. still on the team. Um, so that's, I do, that's, I do think Cats and Tonus will eventually be a starter in yes, the CFL. That's fair. Whether yeah, that's, that's for the Thai Cats or not, what we saw of him in the playoffs, he can start in the CFL without a question. Mm-hmm. But he's on the roster right now behind Tunde Adelike, and unless their decision is to move Adelike to a different spot, his his ceiling for starting is is limited. So he'll probably which, have which to go elsewhere. Which is unlikely with all the American DBs they have, right? Exactly. They're they're loaded in the secondary, and we'll we'll obviously be talking about that once once we get to training camp and all that sort of stuff. So I so but here's the thing: out of the seventeen guys, we've named three that we think can be impact play, and and even calling them impact players might be a bit much. Would Manzi's an offensive lineman? Ungerer would be if he starts. He's that wide side fifth decoy receiver that never gets the ball, right? Yeah, and that could change with the hash mark rules coming into play. Yep. But but yeah, yeah, he has been for sure. So your your two takeaways were either the draft is a crapshoot or the Ticats aren't good at this. What if I was to tell you that out of all the teams in the league, they have the most players on their roster over the last five years that they were drafted? They have more. Their 17 players is more than any other team in the league has. You know, you told me that earlier and I was shocked by that because just the... I didn't look into all the roster, you know, all the players that were still on the roster. I just kind of looked at the who's starting now. Um, and 17 is a is a number that I didn't think it would be that high. So, um, you know, maybe the Canadian Football League draft is more about just getting guys that will play special teams and be backups, you know. Um, because you look at the starters, the Canadian starters on this team. Uh, you got Adele Kay. He, he came from Calgary. Yep. Um, Laurent, he was in Montreal. Uh, Van Zyl, Toronto. Yep. Uh, who else we got? Uh, Durant. He'll be a starter in the receiving core. He yep. came from BC. Um, so most of these guys that are Canadian starters were not drafted by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So there's so little. Like I'm not going to say the talent is small out there, but uh, it just seems that most of these guys that are drafted are going to be role players, special team players, backup players. So that's another thing that I, I also looked into was and and this this took a little projecting on my part and this isn't an exact science but where are the teams across the league where did their canadian starters come from um with the ticats you nailed it two of their players that are, are projected of their seven starters were were drafted by them i i'm not counting so i went with their starters as chris van zyl um colter Manzi, alex fontana and brandon revenberg on the offensive line Lamar Durant in the secondary, 
and I went with Ted Laurent and Tunde Adelike. So if you want to add Ungerer in there, it would be three players that they're going to start. Canadian starters were drafted. It would be Ungerer, Woodmansey, and Revenberg. All the other ones they got through free agency. Now, those guys were, were drafted into the league, but they became those star players by moving over from another team. Um, and it's very similar across the league. The only team really that kind of bucks that trend is Winnipeg. A bunch of Winnipeg's guys were, their starters were guys they drafted. Their running backs were drafted. Their offensive linemen were drafted. Like a lot of their, but other than that, most teams, it's the other way around. It's they've acquired, and again, these guys do get drafted more often than not into the league, but they jump around teams. So teams are, are filling their Canadian spots with guys that they, they've taken from other teams. And some some of the things when it comes to the other teams and, and their draft picks that, that stood out to me was and this in the good, the Argos, they were they were second tied with Calgary with sixteen players in their roster. They have all of their draft picks from twenty twenty are on the team. But none of their draft picks from twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen are still in are still in mm-hmm. with the Argos. The Alouettes were the worst. They have ten players from their uh five draft classes still on the team. And none left from 2017, 2018 either. So I, it makes, and this will get me in trouble because I work for three down and Justin Dunk and John Hodge and JC Abbott love the draft. So if they hear this, this might get me in a little bit of trouble, but I'm going to ask you this question. Does the draft even matter? (sighs) That's a tough, I, you know, it it does. It does because you got to get Canadian players in the league somehow. Um, I just think that there's there's um, a small amount of players that are going to be starters uh, in this league that you pick. Like like I said, I think that the majority of these guys are going to be either out of the league shortly, um, or they're going to be backups and special teams guys. So um, you really got to find the diamonds in the rough in the Canadian Football League draft, and you got to you got to tip your hat to a franchise like Winnipeg, who has found a way to create their own stars. You know, draft and build up their own guys, and then they become starters and help their team win. Because obviously the last two seasons, they've, they've won the Grey Cup. So um, I, I I think it's important, but maybe we thought it was more important important than it was, you know, before looking into the numbers. Yeah, it and maybe this also speaks to why the draft isn't given as much coverage. As maybe we think it should, as fans, because I mean, they three down nation released, uh, you know, the last what was it twenty, the best twenty yeah. first round, yeah. Something. Haji, Haji wrote that pick on the top. Were hardly impressive, right? No. So. I mean, when Chris Bauman nearly cracks the top ten of best first overall picks of the last twenty years, you know that it hasn't exactly been a murderous he role. Was of first round considered selection. a major flop. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. I mean, never signed a second contract with the Ticats, so... Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe he did sign another one-year deal, but he never... He was picked first overall the year after Andy Fantuz was drafted, and everyone thought, okay, this is going to be the next... Like, you had Fantuz, and Fantuz became a, a Hall of Famer. Like, like if you... Yeah, the no one doubt. draft class that I will point to, and I, I, I think it was 06, because I think that's the year Fantuz came in. You look at the first round of that draft class, and you see a lot of... Even the second round. I think John Cornish was drafted that year. Like, there's a lot of good players 
in that draft class where you're like, oh, this is this is the draft that you'd want the draft to be like mm-hmm. filled with star players, guys that become faces, not maybe not faces of the franchise, but Andy Fantuz was a household name. John Cornish was a, you know, what? I'm going to look it up right now instead of us pontificating on who went in the first round. I'm just going to, cause I remember it being a really good draft. I remember looking back on it one time and being like, Oh geez, they did a really good job there. Right. Um, and Chris Bowman, I think he's had like the most type of a Canadian receiver in the past, like 15 years or so. I think you know, yeah. he's been up there. Um, yeah. He was supposed to be a really good player. Okay, so uh, here's some of the guys that went uh, in the first few rounds. You had Fantuz, Ricky Foley. I know neither of us like him, but he was a, but he he was, was a good player. He was a good player. Um, yeah. Dan Fetterkyle, uh, a really mm-hmm. long-term uh, lineman. Uh, uh, who else we got? Peter Diakowski. Um, I know you know kickers aren't sexy, but Luka Kanji was a really good kicker for a long time. John Cornish was picked in that draft. Um I'm just and like to me like th- those are all guys like those are starting level guys like um, I'm trying to see R.J. Franklin I know wasn't a, a massive star but he was a a pretty decent Canadian receiver like there were guys drafted in this is 06 ATM Boulay is a, ga- a name we all know Dominic Picard we everyone knows you know what I mean like there are guys that became again maybe not all star Hall of Famers some of them were like. Fantu's going to the Hall of Fame. Ricky Foley, I don't think he belongs in there, but I could I could see it I potentially see it happening. happening um, Jason Jay Pottinger was a really good uh, linebacker for a long time in the league too. So it's like there were guys that like that's a that's a good draft class and guys that became starter starting players. You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of where I look at. Like you look at the CFL now, and like you said, it's it's kind of guys that end up being if you're not an offensive lineman, you you kind of end up being a backup or a special teams guy. And is that, is that why it's people, not sexy. It's, it's not sexy. That's the best way to put it. And that's why I think this year's draft is kind of more interesting because we have a quarterback, Trey Ford mm-hmm. from Waterloo. Like we was the heck Crichton award winner. He's getting NFL interest, potentially going to be drafted or at least probably given a shot as an undrafted free agent in the NFL. That might speak more towards how bad the, I mean, I think Ford's a, a talented player and I think actually could start in the CFL, but his NFL interest might speak more towards how poor this year's quarterback class is in the NFL draft. Um, but I think that's why we're seeing maybe a little bit more buzz for the draft this year because there's a quarterback that potentially could go in the first round. And I think you that's the type of stuff you need. And I think we're seeing BC start a Canadian... And I know you and I, have, we've had the Canadian quarterback talk before. I don't think it makes a, a, a bit of difference if a team starts a Canadian at quarterback or not. I don't think fans care. Your casual fans, I don't think care about the nationality of players. They just want to see good football. Your hardcores, your people that follow it very closely, I think some of most of them do. It's like Canadian quarterback would be a big boon for the league. But I do think that the draft having a potential star quarterback as sort of a centerpiece for the draft that they're actually able to promote through all the lead up to the combine and all that other stuff, I think has given the CFL draft this year a little bit more buzz than it would get most years. Yeah. And that's what it needs, right? We need, yep. we need quarterbacks and receivers and, um, you know, the sexy positions, the, the skilled unquote, unquote, uh, yeah. positions. So, um, players that are actually going to be stars on the team, like, you know, people aren't going to be excited about an offensive lineman. You know, I might, and you might, but the casual fans are going to be excited about an offensive lineman that might be developed in five years yep. or, or, or whatnot. So, um, yeah, that's what we need in the CFL draft is star players, players that we can get excited about seeing 
you know, putting on the equipment in a, on a CFL field. As, as simple as this might sound, guys whose jerseys you'd want to buy. And mm-hmm. I love off- – I was an offensive lineman when I played football in high school. I, I love the offensive line. You are uh, – I would go so far as say maybe a student of the offensive line. You really kind of hammer into that, especially when we're watching games during the year. That's something that you pay attention to. But no one's going out and buying the starting right guard. I, I can honestly say outside of maybe his family, I don't think I've seen a ton of Brandon Revenberg jerseys. And he's one of the best yeah. in the game. You don't mm-hmm. see those. Aside from his family, no. I don't see a ton of Chris Van Zyl jerseys, and he's pretty local. Like, his family lives in Welland. He's he's not far. Like, that's a, an hour from here. He spent all those years. In, like, they're, they're good stories, and, and you, you want those guys, but it's the guys who you want to see score touchdowns or make interceptions mm-hmm. or get sacks. Those are the, the marquee positions, that, or as you say, the sexy positions. That's the guys that you want to see going in these drafts. That's what's going to get people excited. And you can't manufacture that. Like, no. you, it's not every year is going to have a Trey Ford. But I've watched a handful of, of U Sports recently because it is accessible. Like, I can watch it on, a, on an app. Um, and, you know, U of T actually started winning games for one, so I started watching them a little bit more. And I'm seeing guys that it's like, why not give them a chance at quarterback to develop? And, like... Uh, what was that quarter? What was the quarterback for Mac? Remember the Mac Laval Vanier Cup mm. that everyone considers the greatest game ever played? What the hell was his name? Uh, I know what you're talking about, and he was supposed to be. He was going to be know, the. He was going to. Yep, he was going to be the next Rush Jackson, mm-hmm. Kyle Quinlan, yeah, Kyle yeah. Quinlan, and he lasted what a training camp with the Alouettes, and then I think he's in. Co- I think he actually coaches at McMaster now. Yeah. Y- if you. You're telling me that he performed on that biggest stage and he can't get a chance to crack a roster as a backup? You know what I mean? Like, And some I, of these guys might just be given up just because they see the there's no chance, the wall, right? Like, yep. these guys aren't going to give me a chance. Yep. So, And and that's that's there. If, if the league ever gets to the point where you're going to get running backs, receivers, defensive ends, guys who are going to start and make plays, then I think you'll see more hype for the CFL draft. But don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's what is it next Tuesday? I think we'll be watching. We'll do an episode after it, covering all the picks and talking about it, but not having, and like, I hope the Ticats take Trey Ford. I would love to see like he Waterloo, not very far from here. The, the warriors wear kind of black and gold as their colors. He doesn't really have to even change. I'd be all for them bringing in a guy like that. But if it's just going to be offensive linemen and, linebackers who are going to play special teams, you're not going to get the average fan excited about that. Unfortunately, no, not, when, not when they're comparing it to, to drafts, like, you know, the NFL draft and the NHL draft and the NBA draft, you have guys that are going to be drafted in the first round. That's are legit superstars. Yep. So it's just, it, it's tough. Um, trying to sell the CFL draft to people, you know, it's tough trying to sell the CFL game to people, let alone the CFL draft. So, well, and the thing is too, when you think about the other drafts, it sells hope to a fan base. Right. Like, the Jacksonville Jaguars have the first overall pick. Now, they're not going to select a quarterback because they had the first overall pick last year, and they took Trevor Lawrence, who was the can't-miss kid out of Clemson, going to be a superstar. Beautiful hair. Beautiful, beautiful head of hair. My brother hates it. My, brother's, my brother is maybe the only Jaguars fan in Canada. Absolutely hates it. He was like, I will take him because he's great, but he's got to cut that damn hair. <laughs> um, but that sells hope because now they're like, we have... Because what's the... What's the one thing we hear about football? You need to have a quarterback to win. All right, we got our quarterback, and that sells hope to a fan base. And even when they're bad, it's like, no, we're developing this guy. In a couple of years, we're going to be good. And it sells that hope. 
you're not selling hope to a to a like now now in the CFL obviously with free agencies it's different than the NFL and we saw what Ottawa did but the Elks for instance look like they're going to be a bad team again this year. Are you really selling hope by saying we're going to get the best offensive lineman and actually mm-hmm. we're going to get the third best offensive lineman because the first two best offensive linemen are going to get shots in the NFL so they're not going in first. You know what I mean? Like right. that's the hard part about the CFL draft is that even the the best players don't go early. John Mechie the third is not going to get drafted in the first round of the CFL draft, even though he is by far and away the best prospect, Canadian prospect that's draft eligible this year. But he's going to go to the NFL, so he's not going to get drafted in the CFL draft early, if at all. So there's that part of it too. It's just it's it's very hard to get people excited for offensive linemen and backup linebackers. You just is. Yep. And uh, like you said, you can't force teams to draft, you know, nope. exciting positions at Canadian. But, um, you know, maybe as we, we keep moving forward with uh, football in this country, we will get more exciting uh, skill position players that, uh, and you know, get a, get drafted in the CFL. Hopefully we will. Hopefully we will. Okay, so at the top of the show, I talked about us having a major announcement at the end. And I guess now it's time to unveil that announcement, Mike. Um, I have left We're getting married <laughs> no oh good god no if I, that had happened i'd have thrown myself out the window um no i am going to be moving into a essentially a full-time position at three down nation um i am leaving loblaws after 10 years of employment there and i'm taking on a more substantial role over at three down and what this means is i will be able to attend more tie cats events I will be able to head to practice, report on practice, and we will be talking about it on the show as well as me writing about it on the site. And what this means is more Ticats coverage and, in my opinion, better Ticats coverage than we've seen probably since Edwards, Drew Edwards stepped down yep. at, at the spec. It, there's been, for the last few seasons, kind of a hole when it comes to Ticats coverage. We talked about it with the, with the Orlando Steinhauer stuff earlier, the Jake Burt situation. He tore his quad last year and no one knew about it no one even knew he was hurt and it's just like he's not he's on the one game he's on the one game and now he's on the sixth game like no one knew what had happened with him that needed to change and with this move where i am now going to be able to be at practice and who knows maybe get that press pass and ask these these questions we're gonna either find out maybe we're gonna get more answers or maybe we're gonna i'm gonna get to come on here and bitch and moan about how no one wants to answer questions. So mm-hmm. what I think this means is we're going to be getting some big more. We're going to get more tie cats coverage. Now my, yep. my role with the, with the site will not just be tie cats, but I will be given some leeway. What it is, it frees up my time when you have to work. And you know, this just as well as I do, Mike, when you have to work 40 hours a week doing these things, it, you want to come home, maybe you crack a beer or you grab a bottle of water, or you have something to eat. And you just want to kind of decompress. I don't have to worry about that now. This going and doing these things is going to be what puts food on my table and a roof over my head. So what I'm hoping it now, maybe there's some people out here who hear this and are like, oh my God, this jerk is going to be the guy covering the team. I don't want that, but I'm hoping that this will make other people excited because I'm very excited for this. Um, it's a, it's a new challenge for me. It's a new adventure that I'm going on. Um, but I think it's going to allow this show to grow. I think it's going to allow the site to have more Ticats coverage, which I think 
Ticats fans want. I just think this is this is good all the way around. So as of Monday, I mean, as of this Friday, I, we're recording this on April 22nd. As of the 29th, that is my last day at Loblaws. And as of May 2nd, that's when I go full bore with three down. So just in time for training camp to start. And barring weather, I will probably be sitting at wherever training camp is, be it McMaster or Tim Hortons Field, pretty much every day. And we will have hopefully some Ticats news to talk about every single day so uh very exciting times mike i'm I'm very pumped and thank you i told you this a couple weeks ago uh thank you for keeping my secret because uh that could have gotten out and might have kiboshed the whole thing i could have gotten in a lot of trouble no no your secrets are safe with me josh um (laughs) but this is very exciting for me as well because you know if you're going to be at practices we, we talked about this last year uh, we couldn't get answers about who's starting at left tackle, who's going to be the right guard, yada, yada, yada. Yep. We just couldn't get any answers about it. We signed up for the spec thinking that, you know, we would get some answers on, on some of these questions, but it just wasn't the case. So with you being at, you know, some or most of these practices, uh, it's very exciting for me. And I think it's going to be very exciting for, you know, the fans that we have out there that listen to the show. Um, there's going to be some more information about the Tiger Cats going forward, because you're right, there has been a huge void um, with information with the Tiger Cats ever since uh, Drew Edwards um, stopped covering them. So um, I hope everyone's uh, just as excited as as I am about this. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, what's better than getting getting a paycheck to watch sports, man? This is I, when I told my family this is what I was doing. Uh, I, the way I described it was when I when I was about ten or eleven years old, I realized I probably wouldn't be a professional athlete. So the next best thing would be getting paid to talk about sports. And mm-hmm. that's at Absolutely. least what we're going to have right now. So I, I think this is going to mean bigger and better things for you and I on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. You and I, we won't divulge anything now, but you and I are kind of got some, some ideas in the hopper that we're going to tr- maybe because of the extra time I'm going to have. And the beauty of it with you is the time difference allows you to, you know what I mean? Like as everyone knows, Mike lives in Edmonton. Like we're recording this late at night for me, but it's it's early evening for Mike. So mm-hmm. the things that we can do because you know he gets home from work, it might be a little bit later for me, but it's it's a good time. You know what I mean? Like I I think this but, is just but you, but it might be later for you, but you don't have to get up. I don't. That's just it. I'm not getting up at seven o'clock in the morning yeah, to yeah. get my ass to a store to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I it, just can't believe you're leaving the glamorous world. Oh, of I know. Grocery. I know the grocery, the grocery industry is going like, to miss me. I, this is my dream every day. I wake <laughs> up and I go, thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm very happy. I'm very happy and I'm glad Josh is very happy and I'm, uh, I'm really excited for you, man. I'm yeah. really happy for you. Big things coming, man. I think this is going to be, yep. uh, I think this is going to be our best season yet. I think Absolutely. if we, if we can, again, we're not, I'm not going to divulge anything, but if you, if you and I can get a couple of these ideas that we have off the ground and, and going, I, I think to the moon, man. To the moon. Just podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Might actually make some money off this damn thing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Instead of it costing us money, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. But it's a very exciting time. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new challenge, and I'm looking forward to everyone, uh, good or bad, uh, whatever, however you feel about me, uh, you're you're going to get more of me than you ever wanted before. So I guess deal with it. Suck it up. I don't know. Suck uh, it up. If you want the Thai Cats you know, information, then... You know you're gonna have to deal with Josh. You got you got you you got one you got one place to go, and that's that's uh, right here. So uh, yeah, that's the big announcement, and uh, we're gonna get ready to go just in time for draft season, just in time for training camp to hit, and then next thing you know, we'll be talking about actual games. It's uh 
it's going to be a whirlwind, but man, we're, we're getting so close to the start of the season that it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's good times. It's good times. So, uh, for Podsky Weaver this week, I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.